0: Welcome to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. Last week, we were talking about making college free and canceling student debt with Melissa. And this week, we will explore dismantling the university with Dr. Josh Myers. If there's one thing we're gonna do here at What's Left To Do, it's, ah, throttle you around a little bit. (laughs) Josh and I were at Howard at the same time, which almost didn't happen as he was, quote, anti-academic toward the end of high school, coming to terms with the dashed dreams of being a football phenom in college. To be sitting with my words and how I will describe him, one of the foremost thinkers of I think of our time. <clears throat> and don't try and put this man in a box. Uh-uh. Yes, he is an academic. Yes, he is a scholar, but he is also a long-suffering Braves fan. He also, you know, has an ear for music, art. Um, what else? What else can I say about him? uh he has he's also he's also a pretty um staunch epicurean which i find probably most interesting very close second to his scholarship uh and his presence in academia uh we have dr myers how are you josh myers i'm great how are you doing i am hot as fuck in your little lobby down here that i don't know (laughs) what they're doing trying to save the planet with no ac on but you know we're gonna make it um uh, it is a pleasure. I haven't, I haven't seen you in a in a long time. It's been a minute. I couldn't tell you last. I, I haven't. Yeah, I don't know the last time. Came I came to my you. book launch. Oh yes, I did. That was right yeah. before the end of end of twenty nineteen or end of twenty eighteen. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nineteen. Yeah. So I saw you right <laughs> right before the world changed. Yeah, that's right. For mm-hmm. his book launch, uh, his first of, did you get three book deal? Two or three book deal?
1: I have three books.
0: Whoa. Okay. And you're working mm-hmm. on the second now, or second and third?
1: Working on the third. The second will be out in September.
0: Oh, you are! It's done. It's being edited. It's done. Whoa! Okay. Done. And this, what's the second? I can't.
1: One? I can't look at it anymore.
0: No, no, no you're, done. you're right. You pushed it out. <laughs> it's in. It's in the hands of the edit, editing gods right now. Uh huh.
1: It's out of their hands too. So. Oh, it's going to print. Yeah, that's the, that's the scariest part.
0: Whoa! You're gonna go be, be on tour again.
1: Um, I don't know. It depends on you know where we are with the pandemic. I would like to not have a Zoom tour. yeah no
0: absolutely
1: not um so the book actually comes out in europe first comes out in london first huh is that typical well the the press is in london oh gotcha 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 um so if there is some interest i would love to go out to you know uh great britain and get some stuff done there Yeah, yeah yeah we'll see
0: we'll just see where things are yeah okay Uh, Before we get into your story, because I know part of your story, a small part, I'm sure there's much more in because I don't have good sense and you know that I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to put you in what I'm what I've decided I'm going to call a Pan-African trick bag. Now, Mm -hmm. are we wrong or was Malcolm X wrong about well done steak? Do you know the do you know the quote I'm talking about? I know, I don't. The, he was giving a speech, and he was the the point he was taking making was like a critique about um, like our idea of like Europeans being civilized and us not and us trying to mimic him and mimic them. And you know, we we go into a restaurant and ask for rare steak, bloody when when we know what we really want is a well done steak.
2: <laughs>
1: now, was
0: Malcolm X wrong, or are we wrong? I need your thoughts on that.
1: <clears throat> I mean, it's interesting. I think I've actually thought about I actually thought a lot about this uh-huh. because I come from a family. Of uh, well done. Everything needs to be well done.
0: <laughs> Come on, well done, family.
1: Uh-huh. Um, and part of it I think has to do with the fact, on the one hand, that we grew our food. Ah. Um, a lot, and before that, um, we were not given parts of the food that were healthy. Ah. And this actually, um, this actually goes back goes to a um, colonial context as well. It's not just you know black folks in the diaspora mm-hmm. because we were often given parts of the food that you needed to cook all the way through right. i think that translated into a, a kind of cultural norm huh. um that now you know manifest as you know it's not done unless we don't see any red i
0: anything. see okay
1: um so we should take so, it easy
0: on people a little bit more
1: no <laughs>
2: Because uh, food,
1: I mean, if you're gonna eat meat, yeah. you're gonna destroy the environment by eating meat. Mm-hmm. You might as well eat it in a way that actually is delicious. That's correct. But okay. um, I think it's I think that's part of it. Uh-huh. And you know, once people realize that you know it's not actually unsafe.
0: That's right. Right. It's not actually raw.
1: <laughs> <laughs> once people realize that they're actually it's actually very good.
2: Yeah. That's right.
1: I think people are more likely to sort of change. Okay. Um, but then again, you have to understand how, you know, over time, the inequality that's at the root of food production, ah, and distribution mm-hmm. distribution, has had an impact on our trust in <laughs> being able to consume things in a way that we think is safe. Ah, okay. So... From that particular perspective, I I absolutely understand it. From a culinary perspective, I think it's it's asinine. (laughs) It's absurd. But then we place it in
0: context. Yeah. Yeah. Or not. It's excusable, I guess. Why
1: would you ruin, you know, a 32-ounce whatever? Porterhouse. By by making well done that's correct doesn't make any sense to me from a culinary perspective that's right but
0: yeah but but historically culturally the con- yeah. the context is excuse yeah. okay see there we go see i was i was looking to start trouble and you brought me <laughs> to a more reasonable place because that's what you do thank you um so tell me i know that you are from south carolina mm-hmm. tell me about that what was it like growing up in south carolina and what part are you from i know but tell them. i'm that. from
1: Orangeburg, south carolina it's mm-hmm. predominantly black um low country it's in what we call I guess the Midlands mm-hmm. is in between the center of the state the capital of Columbia mm-hmm. and um, Charleston, which is the original uh, major city mm-hmm. capital and major city also the port of entry for a third of the enslaved Africans probably more than that mm-hmm. that ended up in uh, British North America
3: mm-hmm.
1: For that reason South Carolina was also um, a majority black was majority enslaved. Mm-hmm. It was the only state until Mississippi that was majority enslaved. Virginia very close behind. And New York, for a time, was close behind. That's another conversation. Huh. But South Carolina was always majority black folk
0: from 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 the start. Okay, okay, um, up, up through the Civil War,
1: through the Civil War, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was founded by um, largely by Barbadian planters who were trying to get away from the rebellious Africans in Barbados. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we was getting busy. Uh-huh. Right. And so they come to the mainland of North America thinking that we'll have more support because we have settlers here. Mm-hmm. So we have an, we'll have, you know, a de facto police force that could, you know, rein in these rebellious Africans. But of course they were wrong. Yeah, of course. Um <laughs> and so from the 17th century when South Carolina, Carolina is founded, mm-hmm. it breaks off the South Carolina, North Carolina. Um, it was a power, it was a colonial power that was extremely wealthy because of the immense amount of labor that enslaved Africans um, were able to, were forced to um, provide to mm-hmm. that particular state.
0: Mostly rice or rice, indigo, cotton? Sugar, rice. Oh, okay, sugar. But mostly
1: rice mm-hmm. and, of course, um, indigo. Um, but yeah, mostly mostly rice. For the vast majority of its of its um, existence, mm-hmm. in fact, they pioneered all kinds of technologies and engineering for rice cultivation in South Carolina, and they actually chose Black people who already knew how to do this. Yeah, yeah, from from, from the places in West Africa. From where, West Africa, yeah. I
0: see. And your family is both sides goes back many many generations to South Carolina. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, okay.
1: So that's all I know of uh. people of, of, of South Carolina folks. And so my fe- my people are from Colleton County. Okay, Colleton County is adjacent to beaufort okay um county which is low country um in charleston low country right and so it's one county one or two counties over somewhere a lot of the action was happening
3: uh-huh.
1: um during the period during the high points in the 18th 19th century collison county was where the enslavers the really the uh the plantation owners would go to vacation Ah. Uh- they wouldn't go to like the islands because no. that's where there's cultivating all the stuff. Yeah. So they went to this swampy area known as Colleton County. Uh-huh. Where to they summer. Had, where they, yeah. Uh-huh. To summer where they had their vacation homes. Uh-huh. And so um, over time, you know, that became, it also became prime location for uh, the plantations themselves. And uh, my ancestors were, um, you know, born there, educated there after sla- after enslavement, Um, They stayed Mm -hmm. in that general area. Um, Many of them were sharecroppers. uh
0: Did most of them stay, or did did some of them go north?
1: The northern migration in my family doesn't start until the wars Ah, that I know of the nineteenth, the twentieth century wars. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, The imperial wars. So, the furthest I know. Um, It's my great, 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 I think that's right, grandfather, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, Jackson Wiggins, whose name is in the history books, thankfully, Uh um, because he was, was he a deacon? I want to say he was a deacon Mm -hmm. at a church in Islandton, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. It's very small, Mm -hmm. next to Yamasee, I think. Um, You know about the Yamasee Wars, the Yamasee peoples fighting against the British. Mm um the native population mm-hmm. known as the Amesies. Anyway, um he actually was at a at church when one day Elizabeth Evelyn Wright shows up. She's a protege and student of Booker T Washington. Ah. She so she shows up and says, I am going I want to build a school here.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Basically on the Washington model, the Hampton Tuskegee model. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
1: And my great 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 grandfather says I don't necessarily believe you, but if you do, mm-hmm. <laughs> here's the first fifty dollars. Huh? <laughs> so we don't know where you got this money from. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was a lot of as money. A sharecropper. Like
1: then. Yeah. Um, this is the eighteen seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has lots of children, yep. and this is where you know things get really um, interesting for me because mm-hmm. he had two wives. Oh, okay. Um, first wife died, so he remarried. Mm-hmm. But for, from each wife, he had sixteen children each.
0: No, no. Yes. No, no, no. Because that that <laughs> equals thirty
1: two. So he has thirty two children. He no. has thirty two children, and so there are people walking around this country, and probably beyond this country, that are my cousins.
0: I guess so. So oh, God, <laughs> um, the, all
1: sixteen of them made it past birth. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so he, when he gave that money, his name was in the history of that school, mm-hmm. embedded in the history of that school. It's now in Voorhees College mm. in Denmark, South Carolina. Oh. Um, one of the past presidents is Cleveland Sellers, mm-hmm. who is from Denmark as well. Uh, um, Cleveland Sellers, let me just say, is the SNCC, uh, SNCC veteran, best friend, one of the best friends of Stokely Carmichael Kwame Ah, uh, who was kicked out of Denmark at the age of 16 huh. to to prevent him to prevent, prevent him from getting lynched, probably, for his civil rights activities in this, in the city. And Stokely? He, no, no, no. This is um, Cleveland Sellers. Oh, this
0: was like Stokely with the Howard. Yeah.
1: Okay, sorry. Right, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Cleveland Sellers is a teenager raised in hell in uh, South Carolina. And so Mm -hmm. they spirit him away Mm -hmm. and he ends up at Howard
0: Ah,
3: as a
1: student.
0: Gotcha. Because he got run out of town. Right. Gotcha. Okay. And so,
1: you know, fast fast forward a number of years, he comes back to school Mm -hmm. to South Carolina State University Uh in Orangeburg, where I'm from, Mm -hmm. where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And he um, was the only person ever convicted in connection to the Orangeburg Massacre.
0: Oh, wow.
1: When the three students were killed yep. at South Carolina State University. Which
0: always gets like <laughs> obscured and nobody remembers that they only remember uh, Kent State or only know about Kent State. Uh-huh. Right. But this was- February 8th, so. 1968. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so um, that's that's um, that's my family. So from Jackson Wiggins came all of these people. Um, <laughs> yeah. My line comes from my father's line. This mm. is my father's line. Mm. They were interested in educating, uh-huh. education. Um, you know, I never met her, but my great grandmother was was known to have said, you know, that she wanted this generation to be the last generation that had to pick cotton. Uh. And so her dream was for, for them to get all get educated. Yeah. And they did it, and mm-hmm. so she literally had her children go to college mm-hmm. and, and at a time where most Black people weren't going. Couldn't. I mean, it's always surprising when I talk to people from the diaspora, mm-hmm. particularly let's say people from the continent of Africa in my age group, or people from the Caribbean. It's mm-hmm. like, your great grandparents, your grandparents went to college, mm-hmm. That's, and so yeah, if you understand that there's a very in South Carolina, there's a very clear emphasis on education. Mm-hmm. I mean, African people in, in South Carolina created the idea of public education. That's right for everybody, and so the HBCUs that are there are not there by accident, Correct. right? You have South Carolina state, you have, uh, Claflin, mm-hmm. um, you have Morris, you have, um, Voorhees. Mm-hmm. And so that was intentional. It wasn't as, as exceptional as we like to think, but it Correct. was definitely intentional. Correct. Um, and so my parents, um, met at South Carolina, well, both went to South Carolina State, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, that was my childhood, South mm-hmm. Carolina State University. You grew up on the campus. Basically. uh uh-huh. um, My father eventually gets his PhD from the University of Georgia, so we spent three years in Athens. Ah. But then we came back to Orangeburg, and that's where, kind of where I got my sense of what what a university was. Mm-hmm. It was always through the HBCU experience. Mm-hmm. I mean the march. The sound of a marching band is indelibly shaped in my memory. Right, and woke you up on Saturday morning,
0: I'm sure, or to put you to bed on Friday night. Yeah, I yeah.
1: mean it's it's it, it became who we were, and so mm. I can't imagine my life not having Saturdays at, you know, going to football games, and you mm. know Monday nights and Saturday afternoons in the in the winter at basketball games. Mm-hmm. Every May commencement literally would stop the town. Yep, I mean it was a it was a wide event. Mm-hmm. There was, if there was a town gown dynamic that was negative, I never knew about it, mm-hmm. um, because the town was really integrated mm-hmm. with the university in, in really important ways. And by the way, Claflin is there too, right. so it's not just South Carolina State. Are
0: those the, are those the two uh, biggest schools in Orangeburg? I've never been to Orangeburg. I don't mm-hmm. know much about. it. Are those the two biggest universities in Orangeburg? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, all right.
1: Um, so we there's there's actually four universities which is really weird because there's only like 18,000 people in Orangeburg. Wow. <laughs> so oh. Orangeburg County is larger. Okay. The county it's the largest county in South Carolina. Ah, by landmass or population? By land okay, okay, okay. Um but in terms of the actual um city limits, is not very big. Mm-hmm. Um to have four universities. But um there's a really interesting history between Claflin and South Carolina State. Um Claflin was first it was it was private but it got some state funds. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there are some people that felt that you needed a state-funded me- agricultural mechanical institution, yep. you, and so when you get the Morrill Act, the Second Morrill Act, they used that money to to create competition for Claflin. Uh, uh. Um. So state-funded South Carolina College. Mm-hmm comes out of that. South Carolina State College comes out of that, and, and it's at a time where Clemson is being created as well upstate uh-huh, uh-huh. for white folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the idea was, y'all not coming to our school, so we're going to have to create your school. Yeah, down that's there. right.
0: That, yeah, we don't. So, pinch,
1: pitch for Ben Tillman, the arch racist and murderer, mm-hmm. who was that, who was at the head of this new constitutional convention. Mm-hmm. I think it's eighteen ninety five. Mm-hmm. He compromises with. The black leaders and says, I know I'm a murderer. He didn't say that. But <laughs> I know I'm a murderer and I kill black people for fun, for sport. Yeah. But here's some money for your school. And right. that's where South Carolina State University comes from. Ah, interesting. <laughs> so is that black politics? I don't know. Mm. Um
0: not really. Kind of, but yeah. not really.
1: Yeah. And then there's Thomas Miller, who was the first president. Well, who's actually doing this negotiating? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he becomes the first president. And, and from his perspective, they had destroyed Black Reconstruction to such a degree yeah. where we just need to take whatever we can get in sure. many ways. And so we it can is his on quote on that's in Du Bois, at the end of Du Bois' chapter in, on South Carolina and Black Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Where he says we were eight years in power, that kind uh-huh. of has to coats borrows from his book, for borrows
0: his- <laughs> and grossly appropriates. But I guess we have to. Fr- and sales and sales on
1: the, on the premise that they're talking about. He's talking about Obama,
0: right? Right. <laughs> and it's like, come on, man, don't so do this. Tom, uh,
1: I've, I've always known who Thomas Miller was just by going through old yearbooks, yeah, yeah. and looking at all the presidents of South Carolina State sure. University and things like that. And so, I mean, that was what that was. That's kind of what we did. And so, in terms of my. Education, Orangeburg still has segregated education, essentially.
0: Of course.
1: Um, so once integration happened, you had Orangeburg High School, mm-hmm. the white high school. You had Wilkinson High School named after a black person. I think it was a former president of Sacramento State. Mm-hmm. Um. And they merged to create Orangeburg-Wilkinson. And then white folks just left and went to the private school. Of course,
3: yeah.
1: Also, the alma mater of one Nikki Haley, Orangeburg Prep. <laughs> uh,
0: of course, uh, Neraza it...
1: Nikki Haley. Yeah, that's right.
0: Our is favorite in fact white Indian
1: uh-huh. product of was a de facto segregation <laughs> academy.
0: Huh? So she grew up in Orangeburg.
1: She grew up in Bamberg, which is maybe twenty miles, twenty-five miles okay. away. But like in the county. But it's in another county. That oh oh. So I don't know how she got to Orange. I mean, it doesn't matter because yeah, it's just a prep school. Yeah, so that's, yeah, um, <laughs> that's her background. Yeah. So don't let her ever talk about, I mean, let me not go there. But No, go ahead. Orange Wilkinson was so black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, do you, you remember growing up in the 90s where there was always these stories about super predators yep. and black, you know, youth, you know, who are yeah. doing all this? Thank you, Hillary Clinton. Uh-huh. Yeah. I used to be scared to go to OW. Oh, you? Because it was so black, oh. and the image in my head of black youth were. Uh-huh. <laughs> These are people that are gonna fight you. Wow, right. Pull out a gun. That's right. And it was me, only until, smoke. it was only until, you know, I got rid of that assumption mm-hmm. that I could really en- really embrace what it meant to go to a black school across class difference, across what was that? education difference. What was
0: that like for you?
1: I enjoyed it. Why? Because we didn't we didn't know there was a white gaze, even though we were living under it. Sure, sure. Right, it's almost like colonialism. Mm-hmm. Whiteness is everywhere, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. But we didn't recognize it as that.
0: Be what did you recognize? What do you think you recognized it as at the time?
1: Disciplined, mm-hmm. discipline, To be quote unquote disciplined. To be quote unquote. Um. The Have notion some... of notion of being appropriate, mm-hmm. respectability. What we that's, that's what that's what we would call it now. Mm-hmm. Have some behavior. We thought it was yourself. coming from black people. Yeah, no, but it was coming from white respectability norms, uh-huh. right? Filtered through, right? Yeah, and so when it when when it was time for us to get it together to pull our pants up to tuck our shirts, and we literally had a tuck your shirt rule, tuck your shirt rule in middle school, mm-hmm. tucking your shirt. That was just coming from these, these black parents.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah
1: and so it was black people telling us that it mm-hmm. was black authority figures ensuring that mm-hmm. um but we couldn't see respectability policies we just saw black people trying to take care of us mm-hmm. in their own way sure
0: now what you said that you grew up in a cross class school and right. that is correct cro- little of that cross
1: class school there was no black elite school i mean we kind of had like there was a middle school, K through middle school, mm-hmm. on a South Carolina State University's campus that you had to pay for. Mm-hmm. And so people, black people that could pay for that, it was it was very small. It wasn't like it wasn't the
0: it was the feeder school that everybody went right, to. Right. But what? So what did you? How did you understand your family's class standing growing up?
1: Um, I knew we weren't rich. Mm-hmm. I knew we weren't as poor as some of my classmates. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, we would get at least one pair of shoes. At the beginning of the school year. It might mm-hmm. not be the shoes. They weren't Jordans. <laughs> we didn't start getting Jordans into a high school. Home. Sure. sure. <laughs> th- I'm laughing now. But I, I think, I mean, at some point, my parents compromised. Mm-hmm. And they let us get like jerseys because jerseys were huge mm-hmm. in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> and I do remember i um we didn't I couldn't get in Jordan, but I got a pair of Sean Kemp's, okay, <laughs> I got a pair of pennies, okay, and <laughs> so it wasn't like it wasn't like a lot of our um
0: your shoe game wasn't dry
1: right yeah right it, it was it was it was something, yeah, we got something
0: <laughs> it was something
1: uh-huh. we would we would have you know back to school was like the big moment for us, yeah you know, of course, got to come back fresh um at Christmas too, mm-hmm. like there were some Christmases where it's like. Yeah, I, I can go to school in, Janu- in January and be like, and show off. Yeah, and okay. so that was that was something, and it, and that got um, progressively better. Mm-hmm. Um, but
0: when you say progressively better, was it that was it that things were tight for a minute because both of your parents were still pursuing their PhDs, or what?
1: Well, my mother never pursued her. she was working as a school teacher. Mm-hmm. But she was um, an
0: educator, secondary in secondary school
1: primary P- primary. Mm-hmm. I always get those confused.
0: Primary being elementary?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Uh-huh. Mhm. Um so let me let's backtrack. Okay, let's do that. My father got his PhD in 1996. Okay. In what? What was the field? Computer of this study? science. Oh, okay. Information technology. Okay. Um I was then going to 5th grade. Mhm. From 5th grade on is when things got progressively better for us. Okay. It was even it though i couldn't I couldn't necessarily like put numbers to it I only saw one tax return when I was growing up and that was in 94. Uh-huh. 1994 how
0: did you stumble upon that
1: and it was like my parents only make 40 something thousand dollars a year uh-huh because so my dad was out of work. he was in school
0: sure sure and so
1: the only income that we had was what he was getting his stipend and then my mom my mom was a was a teacher an educator yeah. i think she teaches a system or something like that uh-huh um, at the school we all went to, so like when I was, in, this was in Georgia, and so mm-hmm. that was the integrated school. Uh-huh. But you had my parent, my, my parent was in school with me. Yeah. Um, so you couldn't cut up. And her friends mm-hmm. were all black women who were also teachers' assistants. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think I only had one quote unquote regular black teacher that whole time.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It was always a white woman mm-hmm. who was the teacher and a black woman who was the teacher's assistant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And then again, this is this is an integrated school, mm-hmm. and so by the time you get out of that, it's '96. I'm going to fifth grade, and then I'm plunged into there are no white students here because mm-hmm. you guys <laughs> moved back to Orangeburg, right? Gotcha. We gotcha went gotcha, back gotcha, to gotcha. Orangeburg uh-huh. for fifth grade uh-huh. when I when I started fifth grade up until all the way till I graduated high school.
0: So that was jarring for you.
1: It was just different. Okay. Um, no, we had then you have the church, the church factor, right? Uh-huh. We were in black churches Mm -hmm. and the black church that I grew up in, in Orangeburg, the formative church has a education center that connected to it that started us off at two years old.
0: Mm -hmm. Teaching how to read and colors and Mm -hmm. everything, learning Bible stories. And
1: so I was in school at two Mm -hmm. up until kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And so we were already reading. Yep. By the time we were four years old, three mm-hmm. years, three, four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody gave me a copy of Little House in the Prairie. <laughs> at three? At four. Oh wow. At four. No, no, no. There was something else. I got Little House in the Prairie at six. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was always there. Mm-hmm. And so my sense of education, quote unquote, call it excellence or whatever, it was already there before I got to the integrated school. Of course, I get to the I get to the school with all black students. Now I see, now I see black poverty.
0: Uh huh. How do you think you understood that at the time, as a child?
1: I didn't know what to make of it because I didn't know why these kids were acting out. I didn't uh-huh. know what they were. I just know they didn't have the same experiences as me.
0: Because you and
1: the, what you mean. Tell me what you mean by that. I mean that they didn't behave in the expected way. Ah. The way that I expected black children to behave.
0: I see. And the way it was enforced for you. Right. I see. And you- And so uh
1: I was searching for an explanation for it. I knew that these people, I probably couldn't be friends with them. Ah. Um, But again, the way that they they treated us was that they started to do do tracking. Uh Uh-huh the name i you know, no name i come to i've come to know for what for this practice yeah so they'll pull us out yeah we have the know, quote good quote unquote gifted and talented uh-huh. education uh-huh. and i'm wondering why this person over here didn't get pulled out because uh-huh. i didn't think my think i didn't think i was special they tried to they tried to, to instill that uh-huh. um
0: why didn't you think you were special
1: because i was a kid like i mean it was but you didn't have a sense of, of,
0: of a, no. a differentiated uh, like educational ability that you had.
1: I didn't think it was. I, I knew that something was there was different, but I didn't think it was because of me.
0: What did you think it was? because of the
1: different experiences that i had okay
0: you thought because because you had been in church school since you were two other stuff right yeah you were like you know the you got started off early like you Mm -hmm. know that was just my circumstance so here Mm -hmm. i am whereas that probably wasn't the case for. and i went to a school in georgia
1: that was that was by all measures of whatever you measure schools by better than the one I was in orangeburg i see
0: i see i see okay all
1: right okay and so you know friendships were were cultivated in the in these gifted and talented programs, and that you like were a that, part of, that I was a part of, uh-huh. we got special treatment. We got to go on special field trips, mm-hmm. you know, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like we were encouraged not to hang out with the other kids. So you didn't?
0: Did you end up still hanging out with the other kids that you that you noticed? You didn't have a you, maybe you didn't have a language for it at the time of like mm-hmm. the, their condition that was leading to their behavior issues in the classroom. But like, did you did you still manage to? Kind of buck the expectation and and befriend any of
1: no. the quote other children? No, no, because they were because you were just that did so not separate. happen for me until the middle of my middle school experience because these these programs continue into middle school. Gotcha. Middle school starts in sixth grade in Orangeburg. Mm-hmm. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. It starts in fifth grade. Really? So I was in fourth grade when I came back uh-huh. to Orangeburg. Okay, that makes okay. Mm-hmm. Fifth grade. Is when middle school starts in Orangeburg. Mm-hmm. Athletics, you can start playing sports ah in the seventh grade, mm-hmm. sixth and seventh grade.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Once I got on those teams, mm-hmm. that's when I started messing with mm-hmm. the other kids. Ah, okay, okay,
0: okay, okay. <laughs> all right. The
1: quote unquote, and not to so otherize them, but just to for sake of clarity in this conversation, yeah, the kids that were being that we were being separated from.
0: I see. And did you still? You couldn't,
1: couldn't have a gifted and talented basketball team. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> No, not with just gifted and talented kids. Absolutely. Not. And
1: so that's when, you know, it became, I mean, it was still like, oh, that's a smart guy. Okay, mm-hmm. but I can beat you on the sport. Right. <laughs> so it's like, that's where the respect came in. Sure. And I actually loved being with students that came from those backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You, you did know, did they it. took a liking, we took a liking to each other. Uh huh. Paint it, it a picture was, for I've, me. I've never, I've never, you know, I've never bought the acting white whole concept. Sure. Um, or, you know, quote, unquote, you know, being a good student is, is being, being perceived as acting white. Yeah. I was always accepted by um, students who were, by the metrics that they impose on us, quote, unquote, lower, um, on, the, on the lower, quote, unquote, totem pole. Sure. And so,
0: what did you come to understand about those those students when you when you started becoming you know more uh, shoulder to shoulder with them through sports? Like, what did you what were you what was your understanding then of of them, their condition, their life? I thought
1: it was BS that I was given opportunities to do things that they weren't given opportunities to do because because it was it was just not fair. Mm-hmm, there was, mm-hmm. It was it was just by the luck of the draw, it seems to me.
3: Because
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, you know I wasn't, <laughs> and, and the other part about this is because of the ways that this was alienating in some ways mm-hmm. there were there were very few black teachers in the gifted and talented programs of course um, to the extent that there was integrated mm-hmm. the school, to the extent that the school was integrated all the white kids were in these programs yeah <laughs> right yeah. and so the five to seven white kids in the school were all in these in this program of course the asian kids were all in this program two yeah. asian kids were all in this program yeah the continental African uh-huh, kids uh-huh. were all in this program. Right. And so that was kind of alienating for me at first. Because. And is because it because
0: no one from no one like from church that you were friends with were a part of these were not, p- were in the same class? Not on the whole.
1: Okay. Um, a lot of people from, from our church were a lot of the, but a lot of were, you know, quote unquote um tracked to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that I mean I had an impact in terms of in terms of their their healing to the lines that we draw around Christianity too, right? Uh-uh. They were more apt to step out of those lines <laughs> than we were. So it's really interesting when yeah, the what church. What do you mean part, when
0: you say that? The church part? Tell me say that another another way.
1: They were so the church has its own moral code of too, course. right? Especially black church. They were more apt to break that code. The students who were quote unquote being tracked. We're more apt to break that code. Break it in what way? Teenage pregnancy. Oh, fighting, uh-huh. cursing, cursing—all the things that you're not supposed to do. As a good church kid, I got you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. Um, things I would never do at that age. Sure, sure, sure. Because huh. I was just too scared of what my parents would say. Yeah. Because your
0: mother was an educator, so she knew she knew <laughs> so. the teachers in your school. Yeah. <laughs> and they weren't playing. They weren't playing. They yeah. weren't gonna have it. Uh huh. Yeah. How, how would your how would your teachers, what type of student were you? And I, that's you
1: what, about to, what I was about to get into. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because of the alienation, I was at best a B student. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Why? I remember struggling because it was like not cool what, in the sense that uh-huh. the education itself mm-hmm. felt irrelevant. And I'm thinking about the humanities side, humanities, you know. Where we were being taught how to navigate a world that we didn't know. Tell me what that you mean by that. We needed to navigate.
0: Tell me what you mean by
1: that. All of the cultural signals and the cultural kind of shibboleths, shibboleths, or even um, commonplaces mm-hmm. that we were being taught. It's like, this is not being, this, is, this doesn't help me be black. Ah, uh huh. <laughs> right? This doesn't help me navigate the and world. So, uh-huh. The rebellious nature that I that will fully flower later on in life that I, I fully inhabit now <laughs> was cultivated in the moment where you're trying to teach me English through the lens of the Scarlet Pimpernel mm. <laughs> and or English literature, whatever. Yeah. It is. What are you trying to teach? Yeah, yeah. and it's just not resonating. Uh
3: huh.
1: And now my friends who are who who. who are with me when I'm doing something that I absolutely love, which is play sports. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Aren't getting that? Yeah. And so I was like, okay, let me just focus on putting this ball in the hoop. Ah, okay. And so I was a basketball maniac. Uh Uh-huh. Like
0: that's where you, that's where all of your energy got redirected. Everything. Uh Uh-huh.
1: From sixth grade until eighth grade. Mm -hmm. Here's what a typical day in their life was for me. Okay. When there was school, I would think I would spend school thinking about basketball. Okay. After school, <laughs> I would go to basketball practice or, mm-hmm. or go home and play basketball.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: In the summer, so this is before the season.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: During the season, games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Cause they I mean they they made it really like Cause the school would like announce the games on the intercom, and then after the the next day, they would announce the results and who had how many points. And oh, it. Was, I mean, yeah. And yeah so okay. if you, you had like a good game, the whole school was going to know,
0: right? And they would know you're the man. <laughs>
1: and yeah. So the summers though, mm-hmm. we woke up. This is before like travel ball, which they do now. Yeah, 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 yeah. and like organized stuff. Mm-hmm. Our summers were playing. You had to. You you had to. Prove yourself in the neighborhood. Uh
0: Uh-huh.
1: Of course. None of my neighbors were in the gifted and talented (laughs) Uh pipeline. Except maybe one. Uh Uh-huh. But these were all black kids. Of course. And they were all into basketball.
3: Uh Uh-huh.
1: And so we woke woke up in the morning, Uh 10 Mm a.m. I'm either going across the street. Yeah. Waiting until the neighborhood, waiting, waiting for the whole neighborhood to come outside, uh-huh. and we play until sundown.
0: Yeah, that's right. Pooping all day
1: in the heat. Then my dad gets the idea mm-hmm. that we're gonna put a goal at, at our house. You now it's over. That's it. So from <laughs> from the time I'm eleven until the time I play, I start organized basketball at on a high school level. Mm-hmm. The entire neighborhood for months on in
0: mm-hmm.
1: was at our house playing basketball
0: all day <laughs> nice.
1: all day uh-huh. and it got so bad that when we went out of time for vacation mm-hmm. they had a system mm-hmm. to play basketball at our house my my parents didn't like that
0: what do you mean a system <laughs> like, they, they were literally from... post uh-huh.
1: a cat at the end of the street uh-huh I'm probably midway. Our house is midway on the street. Uh-huh. They were posted a cat at the end of the street. To so when our car came, turning around, uh-huh. they had a they had a system to get to, for people to run. <laughs> Cause no one was supposed Easter to be... Sunday. Uh-huh. I, I'll never forget this Easter Sunday. Must have been two thousand and one or two. Uh-huh. The system failed. The lookout got <laughs> the that lazy.
0: Failed, uh-huh.
1: and we pulled into the house and we see thirty people playing basketball. Get out! <laughs> Stop! Your parents were not a four pleased. on four, <laughs> and everybody else was watching. Uh huh. They didn't get up. They didn't get away fast enough. Oh, no, oh, <laughs> and no! And so that completely ruined that completely ruined the rest of that summer. Probably. Your dad took the hoop down. He didn't take it down. Nobody, nobody could come. Okay, he didn't want nobody at the house when, when right.
0: Okay, I got
1: you. I got you. I got you. And so they had to find another spot. Mm-hmm. And so we would move from spot to spot to spot mm-hmm. over time. Six, like six or seven people in the neighborhood had had goals, uh-huh. but ours was the best. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where I I you know got my skill. Mm-hmm. Some in some. You were ways, were you nice. Yes. In that, in that setting, yes. Yeah,
0: okay. All
1: right. As, as, I, as I was getting ready to say, that skill didn't always translate to organized ball. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs>
3: There's a,
1: okay. a different level. It's almost like, you know, when street ball stuff came out, when Anne won mixtapes and stuff like that. Yeah. That stuff resonated more more, more with us because uh-huh. we were also growing up in the post-Jordan era uh-huh. where the NBA was boring.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> we just a
1: snooze fest. No, you know, except for the Lakers, was, everybody else was just boring. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so... The A and one folks, that's the that's the US. That was your- <laughs> And so when I got involved in organized ball, first in middle school, we were just off the chain. We like, I only lost one game in middle school.
0: When you were playing for the school.
1: Mm-hmm. Or AAU. For the school.
0: Okay,
1: okay. AAU was right after that. Ah. And that's when I realized I'm I'm not going to the NBA. Right. Oh, because there's <laughs> that, that summer, we only played three games uh-huh. in AAU. We went one and two. We didn't advance to the tournament to the big, to, that's when I knew, because I saw cats who could actually like play in the organized system. I see. The way that I was playing street ball. Uh-huh.
0: But you thought you were <laughs> so nice at street ball, like I have a future, I'm about to be the insert the blank of- Because we you saw know, it so
1: much. I sure. mean, growing up in Orangeburg, we didn't have a lot of NBA talent, but we- in, in terms of like people that we admire, we, we saw it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Ball out high school, mm-hmm. get a Dean West scholarship, ball out, go to the NBA. Yeah, this is the age of like, no, Kevin Garnett was from South, was from South Carolina.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh,
3: Ray uh-huh.
1: Allen was from South Carolina. That's right. That's right. Jermaine O'Neal yeah. was from South Carolina. I don't
0: know that I knew that Ray Allen was from so,
1: South Carolina. So, I mean, we just saw okay. it over and over and over and over. It's like, okay, we're going to the NBA. Right. There's a, and there's my a script for head had an OA was maybe four, three or four years older. Uh-huh. He was the most serious talent in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm and he was 66. Six. Oh, okay. Big boy. And so he was the best shooter, mm-hmm. he was the best playmaker mm-hmm. and I saw him in the in in the settings where I was nice, mm-hmm. be nice. Mm-hmm. He went to the high when he got to high school, mm-hmm. that translated for him. Ah. You know, he was like the be, he was he He was one of the best players in our high school. Mm -hmm. And so, um, for me, it's like, as long as I get my growth spurt, I'll be good. (laughs) (laughs) I already had, you know, I had like, supernatural hops. Uh I mean, my my nickname, my nickname was rabbit in in middle school and high school. Right, because you got air. When I was in eighth grade, my first, actually my first dunk was in seventh grade. Really? Yeah. On a regulation size hoop. Ha! Mm-hmm. Huh. All right. And so, I I had things that set me apart, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. But it was once, once we played that first AAU tournament, I realized I'm probably not going to the NBA. Mm. And then was that
0: heartbreaking? Was that realization.
1: No. Here's why. Okay. That was the that summer was after the first fall of me playing organized football. Oh, for the first time ever,
0: and that the nada monkey on my, your ba- back.
1: It was my basketball coach who said, "We need, a, we need you to go out, go out and try to play quarterback." Uh-huh. It's like I'm not playing football. I'm just gonna mess up my NBA prospects. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are you mad?
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I reluctantly went off of middle school football. Uh-huh. Realized, oh, this is kind of easier than basketball. You thought football was easier? Yeah, all you gotta do is run.
0: Yeah. I mean, you got to <laughs> not get hit
1: too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. And so I became not a quarterback, but a running back. Uh-huh. And when I went to... When I went to... So, basketball, so basketball and football is happened at the same time. Uh-huh. Going from eighth grade to ninth grade, middle school to high school.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: There was an intensity around football that basketball could never touch. Mm-hmm. And we were actually sending people to the NFL yeah, every yeah, year. yeah, yeah. Of course. And so... Basketball, okay, that's nice. So I only played one more year mm-hmm. at the high school level. Mm-hmm. And plus, you know, my basketball coach was conservative. Mm. Black Offenses, this a black guy. Yeah. I mean, everybody's black at this point. Okay. Those white kids from the middle school, mm-hmm. they, they're now you know, playing their part in the Confederate <laughs> states. I mean, I mean, literally my friend, quote unquote friend, mm-hmm. my white friend in, in middle school, his parents would not let him go to Orangeburg Wilkinson.
0: What at all?
1: And so three years later we saw him with a Confederate flag in his pickup truck. Huh. So I mean that's what that's really what and that helped me learn about how, you know, it doesn't matter if you're friends these people gonna take their take their place in this whole preservation of whiteness. Yeah. Wow. So um anyway, football completely eviscerated any 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 love I had for basketball, huh. coupled with the, the system that we were being forced into,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know at the high school level. I mean, again, it's two thousand one, two thousand two. Mm-hmm. So Kobe, AI, like those are the people we're looking up to, and so we had a we had a system that was like work the ball from the inside, outside into the in, into into the inside, mm-hmm. and don't you know be flashy. No cornrows, no headbands. Really, no, it was no like cornrows
0: on. at that point. Yeah, so wow. I'm like, whatever,
1: man. Yeah, yeah. So I went to, and plus, all the girls like the football players, of
0: course. <laughs> and
1: that's <So> said,
0: <laughs> that's when the switch happened.
1: Let's play, let's play football. Let's play football. huh. And then football took over my life uh, to the extent that I didn't care about anything else.
0: Not academic? Hell no. Not wow, Okay. It was Hell that was no. your
1: whole life. And I was still in. This, I was still in the, the track. Okay. And so I'm, t- the four white teachers that we had in high school mm-hmm. had, had the, had that track, mm-hmm. you know, humanities, you know, all all that, so- what we call humanities, and social science now. Mm-hmm. It was all that. And luckily I had one black English teacher mm-hmm. cause I did, I, I refused to be an IB. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: yeah. My, yeah, my <laughs> mom wanted me to do IB so bad and I was like, absolutely That's In not. fact, was,
1: that, that's one thing football helped me avoid. Uh-huh. Cause at that point, I'm in line to get a football scholarship. Uh-huh. IB is a way I don't need you. No. I, don't, I, don't, I don't need the benefits of academic excellence. Cause huh. I'm excellent at football. Uh, that's how that's that's how I'm gonna get to college. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So go ahead, go ahead. Academics, whatever. I'm still I'm like I said, I'm still in this particular space. Mm-hmm. But excellence, nah. Excellence means running this rock.
0: Ah, I see. <laughs> so, did you stay a B student, or did you kind of drop down a little bit?
1: I don't, I don't even remember. remember, quite frankly. I think mm-hmm. I did enough to not get my make my parents upset. Okay,
0: well, that's what I was going to ask you. Did yeah. at this time when like sports like comes in, a, just becomes your passion, just your love. You mm-hmm. know, your eat, sleep, shit. First basketball, then football. Like, did that cause a little bit of friction at home? Because, like, you're Mm-mm. no. Okay, so you did just enough to like stay in line, not draw the ire of your parents academically, um, and they were supportive of your.
1: This, isn't, rabid this is this is this is an athlete athletics driven environment. Okay, for every for all young boys, for everybody. Okay, boys and girls. Okay, everybody. Uh-huh. Our girls' basketball team was completely nasty. nasty. Insane. Huh. They're the, in fact, they're the only ones that ever won state champion. Oh state wow! State okay. <laughs> we were, we were, we were intense, and we never won.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I had
1: one winning season for mm-hmm. all four years in mm-hmm. f- football. Oh, okay. Um except the one time when I played like for the JV team, and we went undefeated because they had me. Oh, excuse but, um, me. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm. I played like half of their games, mm-hmm. and we won all those. <laughs> Oh my! That was that was probably my high point Mm -hmm. Um, because no, I started um, to my favorite coach, Coach Tommy Brown. I gotta gotta say, I gotta shout him out by name. Okay, he um, saw something in me in my tenth grade year, Mm -hmm. and I jumped the line. Mm -hmm. This caused some this caused some tension. Mm -hmm. As a tenth grader, you're -hmm. supposed to be fourth string. Ooh, I jumped to second string.
0: Whoa, okay, because you were that. And then
1: first string got hurt. Uh-huh. And so, for the first part of that year before the season started, mm-hmm. I was getting first string reps, and Ooh. I'm just beginning. I'm not supposed to be on the field. Yeah, that's right. And so, at that point, light bulbs went on not just for me, but for the whole community, mm-hmm. the team, the family. He's going to college for football. Right. Wow. Right. I mean, that's literally I. I, I my my one of my my best family friends. Um, he did he decided not to play mm-hmm. his um last year. He mm-hmm. had played quarterback before,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, to focus on baseball and focus on, you know, getting into college. Mm-hmm. He was on the sideline on my one of my debut performances mm-hmm. as first string mm-hmm. as a tenth grader. I just scored a touchdown, I come off the field, he looks at me and says, You're going to college. Wow. It's not it's almost if like that wasn't a case before.
0: Sure, 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 sure. But he meant it. He like, meant it
1: like, you're going to college to play football.
0: I got you. So at that
1: point, it's like, all right, boom. Uh-huh. This is done. All I got to do is just keep doing what I'm doing. Mm. Of course, things got in the way. First string got healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but also, that coach got fired. Because uh. we weren't winning enough. Oh. And I remember. I always remember that day. That was the first time I cried in public in front of black men.
0: Oh, wow. Because you're, cause Mr. Tommy Brown, yeah. he got fired for not mm-hmm. winning enough. Oh,
1: wow. Because mm-hmm. huh. I knew it was over after that. The what dream he, was over. Oh, because he it, you, he, was it, 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 he was your sponsor. He was your promoter.
0: Not sponsor, but. You know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and
1: yeah. it was his system. Ah, ah, And so, and also we loved him. He, yeah. was, he was tough on us. I mean, we got all kinds of stories about him. We, f- we felt that he could actually like change the weather.
0: <laughs> what do you mean?
1: <laughs> Whenever it rained. Because uh-huh. we practiced all throughout the summer. Of course. It's probably illegal now. Yeah, probably. Yes. Whenever it rained, mm-hmm. he would go outside mm-hmm. and just look. And by the time it was time for practice, the mm-hmm. rain would stop.
0: No. I am not lying. Ever, like That was just consistent.
1: It was consistent. So
0: you thought he was like next to God.
1: We only missed practice for rain maybe two or three times. Wow. Wow. Okay. Huh. <laughs> so huh. this is not just me talking. This is the legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was happening before I even knew him. Sure, 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 sure. And so... Um, he was. He had gone to South. He had going to South Carolina State. Uh-huh. He had, you know, had so many athletes get D one scholarships, mm-hmm. and so I knew at that point this is probably over because
0: you had hit your wagon to him, but now he's gone. Yeah, and now with the new coach, the, the situation co-
1: was. I mean, I oh, wouldn't listen to this from Orangeburg. The new coach was terrible. Huh. What do you mean? <laughs> Why was he terrible? And by comparison, he was just terrible. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. He
0: didn't have the. He didn't have a system that worked for you.
1: You ever heard the Wing T offense? No. It's this terrible offense where you use deception and it's all based on like moving the ball through trickery and things like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Coach Brown had a pro-style offense mm-hmm. where you had one feature running back. Uh-huh. And that was going to be me for the next two years. Gotcha. That's
0: where you're <laughs> gonna shine. Uh-huh. I see it. This guy
1: had a, a offense where you have three people. Ostensibly in my position. Ooh,
0: no, Mm-mm. no. Okay, okay. So, so you anyway, guys didn't get along. Uh-huh.
1: It was never going to work at that point. I uh-huh. mean, you know, me and my dad kind of got into it because i he, he saw that I wasn't putting in the same effort.
0: Uh huh.
1: And so with the new coach. With the new coach. Uh-huh. You no, know, they wanted me to run track uh-huh. and to to improve my football. I, like, I don't care anymore.
0: Right. That's right. I did this, not, I don't have the same right? fire. The, the and
1: I was doing fires, like social but... stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like, and so we were part of the junior kappas on campus, <laughs> which I probably t- only told, I never told my in public that. Wow. <laughs> so we were basically like our own fraternity in high school what? and we did fraternity stuff. <laughs> we did things that fraternity people do. We threw parties, we did stepping, we did all this kind of stuff, right? Teenagers. Teenagers, yeah. Okay. Uh huh. They had like, they actually yeah. had step competitions for teenagers. Uh huh. And, and you so, you were front and center. I was in that. Okay. And we was doing that, and that ran up against football. So yeah, yeah. Still yeah. not talking about academics because nobody cares about that. Yeah. No. Who the fuck cares? Uh huh. And so we're doing all of that stuff, and it's like, okay, I'm not going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to college for this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put any effort. Mm-hmm. And so something stumbled into my lap, uh-huh. and that was the National Merit Program.
0: Ah, how did it stumble into your lap?
1: Because I didn't care. You we just all told to do it, so I did. Because it one you're still
0: day. being on, you're still on the gifted and talented track. Yeah, and so someone was like, "Hey, here, kid, look at this."
1: No, there was like, you need to take the PSAT to get ready for the SAT. Ah,
0: okay. okay. <laughs> it was dictated to you. Yeah, it wasn't your like proactive choice. Right. I you. Uh-huh.
1: So I did well enough on that to get consideration for national merit. Mm-hmm. We also did like intense SAT. I went to SAT camp. But the mm. only reason I went to SAT camp was because there are going to be black girls from all over the state <laughs> at SAT you camp. You horny dog! Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's true. No
0: grabbing I mean this. And as uh, a
1: junior Kappa, seen it. a captive audience <laughs> of black women, a young black girl. it!
0: I can't do that. <clears throat> I'm not doing that with you. I'm not doing that with you because I did not have that on That's, the mental the, list of things. Because at, at some you. point, <laughs> you got
1: tired of Orangeburg girls.
0: Yeah, because it's only tired of eighteen thousand people. Right.
1: Uh-huh. And so. That led that that allowed us to like go to like Columbia and Charlotte. And so you went
0: to the SAT place. camp to be, just show your teeth to the ladies. And just, it was at Clemson. Oh, okay.
1: Uh-huh. And so um I guess I learned skills that well, what I really learned was that SAT is not about about competence, it's about how you take a test. Correct. <laughs> Correct. That's all. <laughs> so anyway, that. I did well enough on mm. all of that mm. to get to um, become a national merit. Mm-hmm. Um I think I was a national merit scholar, mm-hmm. and then on my birthday of my senior year, mm-hmm. by the, by, the, by senior year, i completely checked out. In fact, at the but end of at the end out of, what? Year of everything, football, the whole social scene, uh-huh. Orangeburg as a as a space,
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. you checked that. Why are you so over it?
1: Because I think I was always oriented towards older people. Why do you say that? I don't know. Yes, you but do. know. my my friend my friend said we were cool. Uh-huh. But I just like I also liked hanging around them as we hung around people who were two, three, four years older. Okay. okay. Uh-huh. My brother was two years older. Uh-huh. Were you one of um, two? Hmm?
0: You just one of two?
1: There's three of us. My sister was one year one year younger. Ah, you're the middle. Yeah, I'm uh-huh, the middle. Uh-huh. But I just have I just have more positive experiences with with being on the scene alongside older folk. I was always like the it's like, this is my young boy. This is my cool young boy. Mm-hmm. Here's what he can do, mm-hmm. and so I had like all kinds of things that I could do. I could make T-shirts. I had web design skills. Mm-hmm. I had like, you know, I gave up on music, but um, there was all kinds of things that you know endeared me to older folk. But why do you think that? That senior year, there are no more old people. There's just us. It's no, like, I'm saying, I'm what,
0: but this. why do you think that you were? Why do you think that you were drawn so much to older? People? Is it just like the novelty of being like young and talented? Because they capable? were drawn to
1: me. I think it was like. They didn't reject me.
0: I know, but I'm asking why, Josh.
1: I don't know. Think- I'm thinking about it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm Thinking about it. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Was it? Was, did you have that sort of? Did you have that sort of? So like- growing
1: up playing basketball uh-huh. in the street in the backyard. Because uh-huh. I started off very young, I was always the younger person on those on those, in those games. Sure. And the fact that they still wanted to play with me, mm-hmm. I was always one of the first or second people that they picked on their teams. Mm-hmm. It was always something that affirmed me in a way. I don't know, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think, trying to think through. Do you it.
0: think it was it was kind of that? You know how you see that in children, like male and female children. Like it's it's kind of like a fawning adoration that like that kind of can endear like older people to you. It's like you know, like oh, like you kind of it's sort. There's sort of like a reverence thing. Like did you have that? And that was maybe part of
1: it. I de- it was definitely reverence, uh-huh. like. Y'all doing y'all, especially when I was in high school, mm-hmm. my, my my favorite year was my first year. Of course. Because it was all people, I was You were the youngest. I saw old people, yeah. older people. Uh-huh. Okay. But and you were, I was accepted by older people. Uh-huh. Um and they were doing things that I wanted to do one day. Uh-huh. When I when I became a senior, it was like there's nothing here for me. There's uh, nowhere to go. Uh-uh. Right. And so I actually tried to get out of my senior year. How, what does that mean? So, we started, our excuse, to get, our excuse to get out of the state was to join DECA. What is that? DECA is like, you, you ever heard of like Future Formers of America? No. <laughs> I, guess, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I absolutely not. I have no idea what you're talking so the, about. Uh-huh. We had, we, some of us took vocational classes. Okay. And so, I think Future Formers of America is, the, is one of the most well-known organizations of vocational uh, students hmm. Secondary vocational students mm-hmm. Anyway There was There was There were Organizations like this For different areas mm-hmm. And so we joined The one for Marketing okay. the, the, the field of marketing uh, So uh-huh. it was called Distributive education uh-huh. Clubs of America Something like that so
3: Yeah,
1: It was D-E-C-A DECA uh-huh. That was our excuse To get out of Get out of the state Once a year Uh huh because you had these long these these conventions. Uh-huh. And so you have again we we are the cool kids. Uh-huh. High school age. Yeah. A, a national convention yeah. out of the state. Girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our excuse and so I ended up um you know going all over the place but I was introduced to like a a program where you could complete your first year of college hmm. as a senior.
0: Hmm. Mean, meaning, get college credit while you're No,
1: school. yes, but also be residential.
0: Oh, <laughs> I
1: got you. Uh huh. But it was Johnson in Wales, which ah. is known as the cooking school. But they also had marketing programs. Oh, okay. And so I was like, I went to my parents, me and my friend Rico, who we actually went to Howard, Ricardo Johnson.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> we go up to our parents. It's like, we wanna to go to Johnson and Wales for our senior year. And it was in Miami.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Sit your ass down
1: somewhere. Uh-huh. he's like, so y'all want to be chefs?
0: <laughs> that was really good. And I was doing
1: no cooking, even though we didn't want to go be chefs, but I uh-huh. was, no, we wanna we wanna study marketing. It's like, no. <laughs> and so I was miserable my whole senior year. Yeah, yeah. I quit football without oh. quitting the team.
0: Uh, how does that work? You just don't suit up? I used to go up? in the games. So. Okay. All right.
1: They I hated guess. me for that. I guess so. What they did, we... And they and they didn't kick me off the team. What happened was they took me out the rotation. Uh-huh. It's like, okay, you can take me out the rotation. I'm not going to actually go in when you tell me to go in.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh, I mean, yeah. That's,
1: how, that's how we were thinking in that particular moment. Because uh-huh. we didn't respect this coach. Right.
0: You need to register your discontent
1: <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Uh-huh. We didn't respect them, And so... Yeah. I literally, as people were like, you should try to tell Coach. You. I'm sitting on the sideline right. waiting things out.
0: <laughs> That's what we're doing this fall, actually.
1: Right. Uh-huh. After homecoming, because we know they do the whole thing for seniors. At homecoming, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. you get to walk. And after that, I was done. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Right. I'm not, you know, not going to get a scholarship, so whatever. Right. And on? so November of that year,
3: mm-hmm.
1: literally on my birthday,
3: mm-hmm.
1: Howard sends a package. Uh-huh. Howard says, in no uncertain terms... If you apply, we'll give you a full ride. Wow. they, pre- they You didn't you hadn't- a- I didn't apply. Okay. Did I they, didn't they- think to apply to Howard. I knew all about Howard from a athletics standpoint because Howard was part of the same athletics conference at to State. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I grew up going to Howard games. Yeah. Um, never, I don't think we ever came to an away game at Howard, mm-hmm. but every time Howard came to town- Yeah. I was at the game. Yeah, yeah. So I knew about the band. Yeah, the band was actually one year. It was actually better than South Carolina State's. Really? It's like wow. Yeah. So when I got to Howard as a student, I'm like, wait a minute, what happened to the band? Yeah, right,
0: right. (laughs) Why is it so little? Uh huh. Um, How did they find out about you? Through the national merit. Through national merit. Ah, okay. Well, where did you prior to hearing back from Howard? Where did you want to go to school?
1: I didn't know. I had no idea. Okay. I applied to 35 schools. 35. Why so many? that's a national merit people just invited me to apply
0: ah okay all right
1: and so i knew
0: were they all hbcus that you applied to Mm-mm. what was what were some that you remember that you oh my to? god
1: let's do the hbcus first okay north okay. carolina A T, north carolina central uh-huh. i don't know I north carolina famu warehouse uh-huh. uh-huh. um hampton didn't apply to Hampton. Oh,
0: you said, fuck that noise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Those are the HBCUs that I can remember. Uh-huh. Um, Sacramento State, of course. Yeah, yeah, I was forced to apply there. Of course, yeah. <laughs> All of my family went there and mm. like, you need a backup school. I'm like, if I'm, that's not a backup. Yeah, no. <laughs> but anyway, because um, I was intent on getting out of Orangeburg.
0: Of course. Right. Like, yeah.
1: Anyway, um, University of Tennessee gave me a full ride. Mm. Iowa State gave me a full ride. No. A uh, few others like that, mm-hmm.
0: like big state schools, because mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. they had diversity problems. Yeah, that's right.
0: They need to boost their numbers, <laughs> which I'm
1: realizing now, uh-huh. being a, being in academia. Mm-hmm. So um, Howard had two advantages. Mm-hmm. It was an HBCU and I knew HBCU culture. Yeah. And I knew I wanted that. Mm -hmm. My brother went to University of South Carolina. I didn't want to go to go to a HWCU.
0: You did not. I did not. What about the why not? Is it because you heard horror stories from him? And no. What?
1: Absolutely not. What? People in fact, people thought that they were better schools. Mm -hmm. Um in terms of the general culture at that time. Mm -hmm. And for me, there was something, someone instilled in me about black people mm-hmm. that i did not want to escape ah that i had no desire to negotiate with ah. at a place like that ah. and so i knew that it had to be an hbcu mm-hmm. i did it's, it's something about that culture i did not want to give up uh-huh. it probably had a lot to do well not a lot some of it probably had to do with being a part of um the campus program mm-hmm. Because one thing to be a Kappa at a HWCU, another thing to be a Kappa at an HBCU. That's right. And so that was part of my thinking. Mm-hmm. The second advantage that Howard had mm-hmm. was the furthest one away from Orangeburg. Ah, okay. <laughs> All right. right. And I was actually very open about saying that when I was applying. Uh-huh. Like and I'm so to get November, especially in this age, is very late
0: mm-hmm.
1: for applied college applications. That's
0: right. That's right,
1: and so I had already gotten to all of the schools. Mm-hmm. Howard shows up late mm-hmm. <laughs> with per their usual. offer, yeah, uh-huh. and says, "Nice glossy package, too." Yeah,
0: yeah, it came in that FedEx envelope. I know
3: just, exactly what you're talking about. Just <laughs>
1: apply. Uh-huh. It's like okay. The other advantage, my th- three, two of my friends were going, mm-hmm. ironically mm-hmm. for football.
3: Ah, uh huh, uh huh,
1: and so. Rico, who we were talking about earlier with mm-hmm. the whole Johnson and Wales catastrophe, <laughs> he went as he didn't get a, he didn't get academic or athletic scholarship.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Floyd, who we call BJ, who the who the football team now calls Bo, mm-hmm. he went with a full ride um, football scholarship. Mm-hmm. Once we started talking about Howard, mm-hmm. that's that just sealed it for me. Cause not only would I be in the HBCU far away from Orangeburg, I'll be there with friends from school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So So that's how I got to Howard.
0: Ah, okay. And when you now, if I remember correctly, your your major at Howard was We went straight
1: to the business school. Why? Because we had that, that business training background. From the market. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and also we were fed the idea that if you go to college, uh-huh. The end result should be a high paying job. Yeah, and so where do you get a high paying job from in college, where well, you don't have to think that much? <laughs> business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, we're still anti academic.
3: Yeah, yeah, right? yeah.
1: And so we're not going to be like, I'm going to be a doctor. No, you got to actually study. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Lawyer. you mean, go to school after school. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's so going to finish school little to did business. you know, you were
0: going to do a lot of school after school.
1: Uh-huh. Let's go over the school is business. Uh-huh. We can still loaf. And it's exactly what we did our freshman year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is why I almost lost my scholarship.
0: Because ah, you lost your mind.
1: Of course. I'm yeah. in Howard. Everybody yeah. loses their mind the yeah, first year.
2: That's correct. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: And so, where can I go and do the least work and then get the most payoff at the end? hmm School of Business.
0: Okay, so you had an... so. In my understanding, you'd say when you matriculated at Howard, um, as you were about to start losing your mind, your dream for yourself um, was like, "I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this degree in business, and I'm going to get a high paying job. Like that's what I want for my life post
1: college. Like that's it.
0: Not that's it, but like that is what I. At
1: it, the very least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At the very least. Uh-huh. Okay. But, but you know, you know doing the wild college stuff I need a story year.
0: also but go ahead mm-hmm. doing the wild college stuff you need a first... freshman year story I listen you can, <laughs> there were there are four years to choose choose bro I need to I gotta hear I think of one
1: with the Statue of limitations is actually <laughs>
0: <one>. <laughs> You're so you are terrible uh-huh you can think about that
1: But there were other things that are happening in fact I actually started writing a a, a, a novel mm. that kind of it's not autobiographical but it is. Mm-hmm. That kind of talks about because nobody has ever. I don't know if anybody has written anything besides memoirs
3: mm-hmm.
1: about college life for Black people in the early two thousands, mm. early to mid two thousands. There are there are a couple of memoir treatments, but nobody's written literature around that. So um. I'm thinking about actually actually started this. Yeah, and maybe thinking about t- finishing. How
0: are you? Have time between that and three other books. <laughs>
1: Writing is writing. Okay, all right, okay, all
0: right.
1: That writing helps my other writing. Okay, I understand. Um, But, you know, there was still something like pulling me away from the wild stuff. Like, I remember just one week, you probably remember this week, you had Farrakhan, Bill Gates, and Jesse Jackson come speak at Howard the same week.
0: Yep. And it's like,
1: everything is available to you in a way.
0: that's right.
1: Um... And I didn't know what to make of what any of what they were saying. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any skills to think about any any of that.
0: When, what do you mean when you say you didn't have the skills to think about? Maybe any not of that? skills
1: is not not the right word. I didn't have the, I didn't have the context uh-huh. to know what I was seeing. Ah, uh-huh. um, because you were. Still... I just knew I just knew that these people would never come to Orangeburg, not in this, not not in the same week. Sure, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and so that was just this is different. And then uh-huh. Rosa Parks Hearst came, That's and right. I missed it because uh-huh. I was doing wild college person stuff, and mm-hmm. I was like. I didn't even know until years later how significant it was that Rosa Parks' hearse passed by. Uh This is Rosa Parks, right? I knew Rosa Parks was, of course, but it's like I'm not—I didn't have the context that you need to make time to the gravity of this, witness this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so all this stuff starts happening. It's like it's pulling on me, even in that first year. There's something else that you there's something else that you need to get from this. Uh. there's something else that you need to be able to grasp from, the, from this space. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a black space. Not only is it a black space, it's a black space with all kinds of black people from all over from the world.
0: From all over the world, uh-huh. Yes.
1: You can't just you know waste your time being wild, doing things, D- being simple. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: still stuck on supernatural hops and the young men on his football team thinking the coach could change the weather. (laughs) There's some strange things going on down in South Carolina. (laughs) Um, In part two, we learn how he went from anti-academic to consummate intellectual and organizer at Howard and then grad school at Temple. He came back to Howard to teach and also, interestingly, lay some of the theoretical and intellectual groundwork for dismantling the university and the racist social order it produces. Hmm. Very dense, but also very illuminating. Trust me on that. <laughs> you can head over to Patreon.com. That's patreo ncom slash what's left to do to hear part two with dr myers don't worry if you can't swing our patreon at five dollars a month all patreon episodes will be unlocked after 30 days you can go to what's left to do.com and subscribe to our email list to get notified of when episodes get unlocked okay see you over on patreon